This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 196. This week, I'm chatting to Olive's deputy food editor and ex-baker, Adam Bush, all about sourdough bread. We've seen a huge interest in sourdough making since lockdown, and Adam has written many guides for Olive on the subject. In this episode, he takes us through the process step by step and explains that with a bit of care and patience, anyone can be whipping up loaves from scratch. So welcome back to the podcast, Adam. Hello. Hi, Janine. Hello. Lovely to see you over Zoom again. Over Zoom. (laughs) On the internet. On the internet, on the interweb. Um, Today, as promised, in our last recording that we did about bread, that was simple bread. Today, we're doing complicated bread. As in, mm-hmm. we're going to do sourdough, which you are, are expert in. And we said, we're going to go deep. We're going to go step by step. We're going to cover everything we possibly can. So hopefully if anybody's out there looking to start their little own sourdough journey, um, you know, yeah. this, this is where they can stop. What's going on at the minute with sourdough, though? Because, like, I think I'm the only person, definitely in our cookery team, but possibly in the whole of north london not making sourdough <laughs> yeah i think you might be one of the few people in the country not making it why do you um, think it's gone so much i think because people because it's such a time heavy thing to do that you need to sort of i mean you can fa- factor it into your lifestyle when you go to work and you leave it but being there to manage it is is quite important um and i think the fact that people are at home um, yeah. so they can actually it's, it's, it's quite it's quite a daunting thing to do because it takes a couple of days yeah um so actually being at home means that like oh i can actually be there keep my eye on it you know read up you know etc so i think it's a really good thing to um like challenge and take on really. yeah that's a good point actually so you're kind of there a bit like you having your kids not your kids because you haven't got any <laughs> yeah my, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but a bit like people having their kids home homeschooling, they're now yeah. kind of looking after this other little creature, which is their, their sourdough starter. So um, yeah, indeed, I've, I've just got notes here to say big, big up Adam the Baker because uh, people might not realise, but you actually have a past life as a chef where you worked in some pretty flash restaurants. Indeed. And you, um, you were also a baker for a time. Yeah, so... Um... That, yeah, that's that, like, I mean, that's where, how I, how my knowledge has, has been born, really. Before I was a baker, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know that much about baking. I just met someone at a restaurant I worked at um, yeah. who was doing consultancy for bread. And then he opened his own bakery. And then basically I finished being a chef. I said, I like, did my notice. And then the next day I started a bakery. Um, and it was like a really small scale sourdough bakery, um, just doing like the local restaurants around East London. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was kind of like I, I I had to learn on the job, really. Yeah. So it was it was really good, and the guy I worked with Ben was an amazing teacher, and um, yeah, so I basically had to I learned from scratch, but while also baking professionally, and uh, which was um, quite terrifying at times when I, I didn't really say. know what I was doing. So, but did but, any of you in charge sometimes? I mean, were you there on your own? Sometimes, yeah, I mean, I, I, after like three or four months. He left me on my own to like yeah. go and do bakes and mixes and like make, you know, I might make 250 sourdough loaves and a couple of hundred baguettes and some cinnamon wow. buns and stuff for my own. Um, which, yeah, the first few times was daunting. But yeah. um, I think by that point I'd learned enough um, to sort of have a handle on it. Were you pulling those doing. like 3am shifts then? 
Yeah, I was starting uh, on, a, on a Friday night for like the uh, or a, uh, sorry for a Saturday night and um, for like the weekend shift, I'd be starting at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, two o'clock wow. to uh, yeah, probably about two in the afternoon. It was kind of weird actually cycling through Shoreditch, which is where I had to go um, at about like yeah one o'clock in the morning on a friday yeah. or saturday night and yeah, 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 yeah. on my way to Scary. work and people very much not on their way to work like the, the opposite so um yeah it was good fun all right so let's get started on the sourdough no pun, mm. no pun intended no why pun is it intended. actually why is it actually called sourdough what's the sour, where does the sour come from well the sour dough it really comes it's like the most basic term is that it comes from the sour flavor in right. the bread um and like the, the the easiest way to to explain this is that the yeast eats the sugar in the bread, which creates two right. um, byproducts: simply um, acid, which makes the sour yeah. flavour, and carbon dioxide, which makes it rise. Right. Um, so yeah, that that is like as, as yeah, at its most basic level, that's that's what it's called sour because it's sour. Say- but when we say sour, I mean it's like it's the modern version of sour, isn't it? Because I know people might be thinking if if someone out there hasn't tried it, like ooh, sour, yeah. like sour milk, or but it's more like yeah, it's more like the fermented sourness that you get with you know like a tang rather a than tang. an actual yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very like it's is tangy. It's not it's not like ugh, that's sour. Yeah, and it in and it's unique in that it doesn't use yeast as a starter, as in baker's yeast. Yeah, no. So um, it, this is probably like the original bread. It's how people made bread thousands of years ago. But then in the 19th century, they basically isolated those little yeasts and then made them really, really strong, which meant that you right. can make bread really quickly. Yeah. Um, but really what sourdough is using is, is taking a starter, which I'll explain um, for you now. Um, so instead of using the baker's yeast, basically what you, you could create is a starter, this is basically just like a collection of um, yeast and bacteria, which is already in the flour. Yeah. Um, and through um, adding water, you rehydrate it, and then those bacteria and yeast come to life, come alive, yeah. um, and eat all the food. And um, that's how. Um, basically, you train. Basically, all you do by making a starter is training those bacteria and yeasts to behave in the way that you want them to. So basically, eating the food rising etc so, so in the most simple terms you are mixing flat bread flour yep with water yep and then leaving it i'm not well not leaving it but you but that's what you do to begin with just flour and water yeah so but i think one of the daunting things for people is is when creating their own starter is that it does yeah. take a few days right because um you need to you need to train those yeast and bacteria to like you mm. need to build their strength. So you uh, you feed it over a succession of days, basically like adding a little bit more flour and a little bit more water, stirring it, leaving it at room temperature, right. and basically over the over the sort of course of like four or five days, you'll notice mm. that it'll start to get bubbly, it'll start to rise oh, a little I bit, see. crash back, and so it's like. Um, it, it, yeah, it's basically it's like it's like it's like training something to, and basically you're just building its strength. You give it a bit more food, a bit of water, and then basically over a succession of days, it gets more and more strong until it's strong enough to to leaven what they call leaven or like power a whole loaf and feed in a whole loaf. It, it it amazes me in today's kind of you know like in the food chain today that you could buy a bag of flour and it's it's kind of alive, like it's got that mm. life in it because. 
I would have thought, oh, you know, it's kind of not unhygienic, but you know, when you say it, you think, well, how does it, how does it get going? What's it got in it that makes it kind of yeah. bubble up and go? Yeah, and that, that the reality is that well, I think that like the more you look at fermented foods, and which which you know, sourdough uh, bread is one of, like coffee, mm. like um, chocolate, like beer, like wine, and um, the fact that these sort of um, bacteria are almost everywhere you know yeah and it's just about harnessing them harnessing them to do uh what you want and and originally mm. um when like people discovered that when you left dough and water like uh, flour and water at, at room temperature for a while and it went all bubbly and then they cooked it and they were like oh my god this is delicious yeah. and then they also realized that um it kept longer um because um basically because you've built up this like more complicated structure it keeps it keeps better so it lasts longer than like a normal flatbread would oh okay yeah and um i go no i was just gonna say like um with with the whole starter thing because that, that's the thing that a lot of people talk about and you know they're given mm. a name so you'll go start mm-hmm. got a name mm-hmm. uh, no no you're just no, too old just... and cynical to start naming your starter well, now yeah yeah i think yeah yeah i, I think so Mine's because that's in the fridge because it needs to be this is the thing we're talking about at the beginning the start is mm. the thing that you're babysitting isn't it yeah completely it is it is like the most important thing when baking sourdough yeah. bread and and how much commitment do you need to put in there what t- talk me through the four days what am i doing in those four days when my starter's getting going Okay, I'll just talk you through making a starter. So day one, I'll mix, uh, well, you mix 50 grams of flour mm. with 50 grams of water. Mix it up in a little jam jar, put a little like tea towel over it or a jar, like, jar on it. Leave it at room temperature for a whole 24 hours. Yeah. And then in that time, you might notice a few bubbles. And then after 24 hours, so this is day two, Yeah. take the lid off, 50 grams more flour, 50 mils more water, give it a good mix lid back on so what you're then you're then basically doing is is feeding so you're you're introducing more food to the bacteria that are already there Um, and then you do that again on the third day and then again on the fourth day and over the third and fourth day you should start to see um maybe about six to eight hours after you do that feed you'll start to see that bubbles of ice it's it's starting to rise in the jar and then maybe even fall back down um and then you you're basically recognizing that you have a culture you've built like this strong culture of of mm-hmm. bacteria and yeast which then recognize it's like oh it's feeding time so then they you start to build sort of a, a rhythm in their life yeah um, so we're talking then, uh, no carry on sorry yeah then uh, you do that sort of for another few days until you have this really strong you'll you'll, you'll know it's 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 rising really high up in the jar yeah. it's really bubbly you'll smell it it smells yeasty and sweet um and maybe a little bit sour um and then yeah you're, you're ready to bake because you've, it, you've built this really strong colony can it can it go wrong at that point um it can go wrong in in many ways um i've heard of like starters going wrong from people having it if you have it near the fruit bowl um oh. some like weird little fruit flies can get like fruit fruit yeast in there which it doesn't like like but to be honest it's fairly it's fairly fail like i mean it's fairly safe really it's 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 not it's not really going to go too wrong okay and does it, it with the jar that it's in you said is, does it have to be sealed once you've put everything in there is there a seal on top or do you put muslin on top does it need air coming into it how does that um no you can you can basically seal it see i mean when you get to the stage that it's going to start 
going over bubbly, like, yeah. It's, 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 yeah it's getting really bubbly i wouldn't have the lid on because the pressure would build up and it might like pop the lid off or you know do something strange like that but to begin with yeah you can just put it on or just very loosely or just literally rest the lid on top mm. just so that no nasties can get in or a bit of muslin bit of bit of um kitchen paper or something like that would be perfect as well okay um mm-hmm. i've got a, i've got a uh i've got some questions here from our boss mm-hmm. laura that i'm going yeah. to keep interjecting with because i'm quite yeah, interested in well um one of the questions she says is can you use different flowers in both the starter and the final bread i think she means can you use a different flower in the starter to the final bread or do you have to use the same flower yeah absolutely um your starter will prefer it if it it is fed with the same flour regularly um it's like it'd be like you know if if you suddenly come home with a new dog or cat food you know sometimes they might turn their nose up a bit or you know like it's it's not not to the not to the extent of turning the nose up it's the (laughs) the upset tummies (laughs) yeah so they um So that, yeah, it, it, it does prefer, basically your starter will prefer a fairly constant temperature and a right. fairly constant feeding cycle with the same food. That's how you get like a really, really strong. Um, so I, I basically just use white predominantly, but I have run out, run, run out of white. I've thrown rye in there, I've thrown spelt and it, it, it like you, it'll be fine. It, okay. it will, it will be absolutely fine. And then with the like say I have a I've been feeding my starter with rye flour and mm. I wanted to make an all white loaf. Yeah. I mean it's it's not gonna make a huge difference, difference. to the out like to the outcome because no. you're gonna add a hundred grams of starter, say, to a kilo of flour. So you're only gonna end up with like ten like you know, ten percent okay, cool. of the yeah. And then so so now it it's it's five days down the line, we've got mm-hmm. our starter. What do we do mm-hmm. now? So you then create something called a levan, which right. is a fancy term for basically taking out a bit of that starter and then feeding that. So basically, you're almost like making a new colony. Okay. And the reason for doing this is 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 manifold. Is that the type of bread that we like to eat isn't overly sour. So by taking a little bit of that really old, quite sour, mature starter and feeding mm. it, you're basically harnessing its power while right. not getting too much of that sour flavor into your loaf so it'll okay. just be like a nice background tang when you eat it whereas if you were to use all of that old starter yeah. it would be like the, the finished bread might be like like quite noticeably tangy like quite right. you know whereas like i think not, most people like their sourdough just a little bit tangy um, and it's also good for it means that if you do it like that you can never accidentally use all of your starter in a loaf because I've come very close to it on many occasions where I've taken my starter and just poured it, you know, I've made it, done it like that and poured it into my loaf and then realised that like, oh, You've got I've actually not left. got. Yeah. But I mean, as long as you have the scrapings from the inside of the jar, you have a starter still. It, it will wow. nearly always, yeah. Like you can, you can keep like a teaspoon and it, and it will, it will come back. So is your original starter, the thing in the jam jar, is that, mm-hmm. does that just keep going? So yeah, and then at that stage, because for volume wise, it's best to yeah. probably throw away three quarters of your starter. Yeah. But don't throw it away. We've got many different things you can do with it. And is then this you the feed discard? Again. This is that the discard, can... yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit though, yeah. 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 Um yeah, but you, you and then yeah, you just feed it again as normal. So all right, so so what you're saying is 
the stuff in the the stuff to make the love on comes out mm-hmm. what you've got left is the rest mm-hmm. of your starter you lose some mm-hmm. of that because you need to start with a smaller amount and then just keep on yeah. freshening that feeding that yeah 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 cool okay yeah. so th- so then um well let's talk about the the dis- the charmingly named discard then because that's because people i think another question that laura was asking was that people had been doing she'd been seeing quite a lot of stuff on um mm. instagram of people doing things with that what what sort of stuff can you do with that um i mean it, it is effectively just a batter so okay. i mean it's kind of um when you think of it like that the, the possibilities become you know open right. but um it is really just a, like a, a flour and water batter that you've sort of slightly fermented but um you can i've seen people literally just pour it out of the jar into a frying pan really? and into oil yeah yeah and it makes like, like a sort of fermented um kind of crumpety type thing yeah yeah okay. they cook it on either side i saw someone he sprinkled um spring onions it's like finely sliced spring onions and sesame seeds on it and fried it on both sides looked delicious and then served it with a soy dipping sauce um but you could basically you can you could crack an egg in there and make pancakes um yorkshire puddings so i know you could probably you you could most definitely make it um yorkshire puddings that wouldn't go that wouldn't go down well in the northeast no i don't think so sourdough no no um sorry to anyone for my accent i know that was a bit yorkshire actually adam because Alex and our team is from Yorkshire and I, I do take the mick quite a lot yeah um, yeah so then or you can um, you can actually make crumpets so you know you put pour it into the pan with like a little yeah. metal ring make like yeah it's, it's basically just a, like a, a batter or a dough so you can you can do all, all kinds of things with it yeah like pancakes or crumpets how <laughs> how much should you have left once you've discarded then that you're of your of your starter it depends how like me personally because i know mine is strong and very uh i i've treated mine fairly badly in the past and it's still (laughs) and it still um seems to bake good bread and come back alive once i treat it with contempt yeah yeah i treat (laughs) mean keeping keen um no i think there's been the times where it's been it's been near death but um, so I, I basically now my I, mine is strong. I'm baking a lot at the moment. I can throw mm. away all but two or three tablespoons really? and then feed that. Yeah, because um, I know that it's good and powerful. I know that it's got plenty of bacteria in there, so yeah. I can discard quite a lot. But I would say always keep say a quarter. I think a quarter that's is good. Like, yeah. I think yeah. when you're when you're doing fermenting, and often when you keep a bit back and then put more stuff in, it's called back slopping, which isn't yeah. a very nice term either. You should usually keep like a quarter. Yeah, I know because I, I am actually making kombucha now. Like I've reached peak um, crouch end, crouch end yeah. kombucha. Smashing it. <laughs> How is it? It's and delicious. I just tasted it there. You reminded me because it. I, I could see on the the camera that I'm on that it's behind me, and I was like, "Oh, I need to try my kombucha." It's pretty. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Pre- nice. It's pretty punchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice and sour. And it's really sour, but I, I like it like that. I like it kind of vinegary, so mm. so that's good. So now, so it, just so we, I know where we are in the um, the process. So we're now in the Levan. Mm-hmm. So in in the Levan stage, we've taken X amount of our starter. We mixed it with some flour. Is that right? Yeah. So if I was making one loaf, I would yeah. mix it with um, fifty grams of. Uh, whatever flour whatever like strong white bread flour and 50 mils of water because then i know that it would make i need 100 grams to make one loaf 
Okay. So then I know that 50 grams plus 50 grams, I've definitely got enough. Yeah. Um, and, how, and then I'll leave that. Yeah. I'll leave that um, for, like, yeah, I, I usually, like, overnight. Overnight, or, okay. Yeah, or if I'm, if I'm going to make bread in the evening, I'll feed it first thing in the morning and then leave okay. it all day. Yeah. So, yeah, like, eight hours, ten hours. Okay. Um, and by that point it will have risen loads it will have got a bit sour but it won't mm. have um, started to collapse on itself because okay. after a while the yeasts basically start eating, eating themselves and like eating and it sort of breaks down a bit you want to you want to yeah. harness it when it's at its peak when it's like yeah. reached that max level um, and a good way to do that uh, like to 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 to, to recognise that is to uh, people use elastic bands on like the jam jar. So when you um, feed your starter, you put like a little elastic band around the jar yeah. and then you'll f- put it all the way up and then you'll put another one when it's like what you think is the top and then you re- you'll see how much it's gone up and then you can basically okay. get a gauge of whether you think it's ready. Right. Um, another good way to test whether it's ready is to take a little bit and to drop it into some warm water. Yeah. And if it floats, that means that it's basically um, good to use Okay, so is that is that Levan or the the starter that you're talking That's about? That's Levan, yeah. The Levan, yeah, it's Levan. So, so when we've taken the starter, mm-hmm. a bit of the start route, mixed it with the farrow water as the Levan, that goes into a, a, a jar too. Yeah, right? yeah, or a yeah. bowl, yeah, jar or bowl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and then mm-hmm. you you've left it overnight, you've left it all day. Okay, yeah. so then so then when we've got to this stage, are you now ready to make your loaf? Yes, you're you're ready to start mixing your dough together. Okay, and then how do we do that? Then how do we put that together? Um, so uh, you would so for like one loaf, I would take five hundred grams of whatever flour, whatever mix of flours. Yeah. Um, and then mix in some water, three hundred and fifty yeah. grams, say. Yeah. Um, three hundred fifty mils, and mix that together to a dough, and yeah. then I would leave that for at least 20 minutes and this is a stage how much mixing do you do to be honest with with sourdough you need to basically just mix it until there's no lumps uh, like like yeah like like flour basically until it becomes a a sort of sticky mess it doesn't have to be smooth you're not you're not kneading it doesn't have to be uniform or strong or it just basically has to be a shaggy mess that has no has no like dry lumps of flour Mm. and then i'd leave that for 20 minutes and this is a quite important step in sourdough, and it's called autolyse. Okay. And so there, there is for that's one of the other things about sourdough. There's quite a lot of terminology, which is quite yeah. scary. But um, autolyse basically means self-digestion. Okay. In Latin, I'm told. Um, <laughs> and so this is where the flour basically. So this is where you don't really need to knead sourdough. You don't need to knead it, and um, because through autolyse, yeah. the 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 gluten bonds will f- basically break and then form their own long links. Oh. Instead of when you knead, you basically like smash them into submission. You're like, form right. these big links, form them, form them. Bread, Whereas yeah. sourdough, Whereas sourdough, they kind of, through this process, they'll kind of form their own journey into okay. really strong links. And that only takes 20 minutes? 20 minutes to an hour. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've heard of people leaving it for... I've, I've, I know some people that make their dough when they feed their levan, so they yeah. leave it for like eight or ten hours, uh-huh. which for me is overkill. I think that's yeah. that's not really necessary. Um, yeah, so just twenty minutes or an hour, 
Um, we'd usually do 20 minutes in the bakery, but that was probably because we had so much bread to make. So yeah, I'd probably just, just give it. you just wanted to crack on with it. Yeah, so I think... Um, and then after the after the 20 minutes to an hour, what mm-hmm. stage are we going to next? So then we're adding the remaining bits of the dough, really. Right, so we're okay. going to add our starter in yeah. and our salt. Right. And also a little bit more water, if possible, if you think your dough can handle it and not be overly wet. And this is another terminology called bassinage, okay. which basically, um, this is very, very term-oriented and, and confusing for people who don't know what I'm talking I don't know, because about. Each, each, but each stage has got a name, which I think is good, because then it you can you can think, I'm at this stage, or I need to get yeah. to that stage next. So I think it's quite useful to name them, rather than yeah, yeah. step four. You know, yeah. we're, at, we're at bassinage now. I mean, We're at bassinage now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just up to the bassinage at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is like a French term, which basically... Um, it means adding a little bit more water and this basically will improve the crumb in the finished dough um, because when you do your first initial mix the flour and water will be like oh it don't really it'll be like it will be absorbing really water get after together. the water yeah. it'll be ready to yeah it'll be ready to just to take a little bit more potentially yeah. which will give you a really nice soft open crumb um yeah and a nice and also it's said to keep bit like keep better Stick around for more sourdough tips and tricks from Adam. I have I have a question here. This is my question because I've mm-hmm. heard you and Barney from Good Food in the kitchen talking yeah. about hydration yes. <laughs> percentages, and I'm like, I yeah. think this is probably where I got put off because you know it's like eighty percent hydration or this percent hydration. Like, what, yeah. what's what's all that about? So really, like, yeah, there's a there is a bit of a fixation in sourdough yeah. um, with hydration, and that basically is how much water you put into your dough. Okay. And for many people, well, not enough water, mm. and your dough is really tight, and yeah. it it never loosens up and 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 ferments properly or right. grows properly. Too much water, yeah. and it's like a batter and it all you know it won't rise to its well, full right. potential it will sit flatter as soon as you, you know yeah. it will sink so it's about that sort of middle ground so like holding the structure of it as well yeah to basically yeah. mean that you get that perfect structure and the rise but you get a bit of sink and then it's powerful it's 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 a bit like if anyone drives it's like finding the biting point of a car it's like that middle middle ground bit yeah um but people like high hydration because it gives you more of an open structure. Uh, so all it gives you those big holes. Those, and those big, big holes rounding. that you see when people do the cut through. <laughs> exactly. So for like a lot of, there's many different techniques to be able to get more water in whilst yeah. keeping the structure. But to be honest, that's like advanced level. And I don't, I don't, I don't bother with it. Yeah. So there is, I mean, it, there's no kind of, you want to try and find some nice middle ground where there's not too much flour, too much water. You've just kind of got a really decent dough that's yeah. going to give you a good rise. Yeah, I think like between 65 and 70% water or 75% yeah. water, depending on wholemeal flour takes more water because it's got more bran, which is absorbative, yeah. and all those little dark bits absorb more water. So that's when it gets really complicated. But Yeah. Um, Laura said that she saw you add a porridge of breadcrumbs into your dough mm. at one point. What, what were you doing there? <laughs> um, so it's quite, a, I don't know where it comes from, mm. but um, 
a lot of people add different porridges into the dough um, mm. as like a little textural thing. So um, a lot of people will do uh, oat porridge. Um, mm. And also, this is another good way of getting more water into your dough. So it makes but it higher. the medium of something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also just a really, like, a really nice flavour, textural thing. Um, so what I did was I had loads of ends of sourdough left in my freezer. Mm. because they're the bits of toast that no one wants to eat because they don't fit in the toaster properly and they like toast on one side, burn on the other, which is fair enough. Um, And so, yeah, I just took them with the water breadcrumbs and then I toasted them in olive oil in a frying pan to the really crispy breadcrumbs. Um, And then I poured water in and made a porridge, like a sort of kind of spongy, sticky porridge. And then I incorporated that into my dough. Um, because it kind of was like the life cycle of a loaf. It was like, you know, utilizing yeah. all those ends and then being born into a new life. And it made it nice and it is. sticky and, and delicious, yeah. So it adds like flavor as well as texture when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like um, where the bakery used to work, we, had, we did like a pearl barley porridge, nice. which like, and you know, like the sort of chewy texture of a, of a yeah. pearl barley nugget um, in a loaf is, is actually really delicious. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else can you put in? I mean, can you add anything? Can I just throw in, like, I don't know, cumin seeds or... Uh... Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, as long as it's not too big. Yeah. Like, the bigger the thing, the more likely it is to break the gluten structure oh, and be okay. heavy and drag yeah. everything down. So, I mean, cheese, olives, mm, rosemary, cheese. herbs, seeds, any, all the seeds. Um, yeah, basically any, anything if you cut it up small enough. To be honest, you could put you, anything in there. Do you add that during the, the shaggy dough stage then, when you're mixing it all no, together? So, so I, I per, there's, there's several ways you can do it, but mm. I personally um, do it in the next section, which is where right. you do your stretch and folding. Ah, where yeah. You're basically, because then you can sort of sprinkle a bit in, stretch, yeah. fold, and then you basically add it over the space of an hour, and it kind of, like, over the space of that time, kind of incorporates nicely. There's a, I know there's a reason in, in, in normal bread making for that because whenever I've made, for example, um, hot cross buns mm-hmm. or like cinnamon raisin bagels, you always mm-hmm. add in the solid bits when you've actually got the dough made or, or when you're kneading the dough because you, it, it needs to be able to hold it like rather than putting it at the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, t- tell us about stretch and fold. So this is the point. This is kind of the magical bit because because we're not kneading it or we were stretching it. Yeah, so this is the point when it will turn from a shaggy sort of like kind of rough looking dough because once you've added your salt and your uh, starter it will kind of go kind of a bit shaggy again. It will have it will have gone from shaggy to 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 kind of a bit nicer and then yeah. you've added stuff and then it will go back to shaggy but you're basically just building those building blocks of strength. Um and then this is literally in, in half an hour and yeah. then you'll do like a little stretch and fold up and over itself. And that's really, you're basically just picking up a corner and stretching yeah. it nice and high without it tearing and then yeah. folding it over itself, turning the bowl 90 degrees and doing the same. And you'll see as you do it, it's stretching a bit further every time and then also getting sort of more taut. As it's, it's basically like doing a little bit of shaping. It's getting a bit more structure. It's getting strong. Um, and... Um, yeah, it, it's basically you building strength and also yeah. asserting a bit of dominance over the dough. You're telling okay. it to, you're like showing it who's boss. <laughs> and you're trapping kind of air in there as well, aren't you? I yeah, guess. you're trapping air. You're bit like building little like strength, like bricks of 
protein to like make it nice yeah. and strong. Yeah. Can you can you ever do that stage at all, or is that? Well, yeah, this is like the the stretch and fold stage, or it's also known as the bulk fermentation right. um, stage. Um, yeah, you definitely can over ferment your dough. Right. Which is where um, effectively the your bacteria and yeast will start damaging the structure that you've built. They'll start okay. like eating that structure and then um it'll be really gassy and it won't quite be strong enough to hold that gas so okay. therefore it'll just start it'll be a bit flat or it'll be a bit rounded in places yeah. and yeah so so we've done the stretch and fold how mm-hmm. many times do we do that About i box? do it i do it between four and six times so okay. over the case of over the space of sort of two hours so oh so so the stretch and fold you do for a certain amount of times leave it and then go back and do it again yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think in my guide I'll do it four times or maybe six times every half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then once once you've done that, what happens next? Um, I would then leave it for a couple of hours just to like ferment on its own. It's sort of right, it's okay. you've 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 it's built its strength and it's it's got its structure. And then basically you're just going to let it let the bacteria and yeast do its do its thing. And this is the bulk fermentation. And this is bulk fermentation. Okay. Yeah, where you'll build that sort of sour, sour flavour and also the carbon dioxide, which is going to give it its rise. And at this point, is it still in the bowl? Yes. It's still in the bowl, okay. Yeah. Right, so then moving on to the next bit, once it's done mm-hmm. the bulk fermentation, where do we go next? There, next, we go to the bench rest, Ooh. which um, is effectively... So you take your big mass of dough, you might be making two, three, four, or maybe just one loaf, and yeah. you put it onto the uh, work surface and shape it into a nice tight ball. Okay. Um, because you're basically, again, you're like asserting your dominance over it. You want it to know that you want it to be a certain shape at the end. Like okay. you want to, you're, you're building that, t- that tightness and that structure so that it, it keeps its shape at the end. Yeah. So when you, when you say you, is it, are we doing that thing that I've seen people where they shape it by, you kind of almost pull the ends together and then make a kind of nice round ball kind of thing? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, they're maybe the sort of pulling over bit will be yeah. the next step. But this bit, you're kind of, you basically maybe just use your dough scraper to just kind of like push it round a oh, bit into a nice circle. Or you could yeah. use like floured hands to just sort of, you know, work it in a little circle to, to a ball. So you're making it into a ball and then you just leave it on the bench for a bit and that's what the rest yeah. of it is. Is it exactly as it says? It is just, just having a rest on, on a bench. <laughs> Yeah, whoever whoever came up with this stage wasn't as creative as the Latin name. I know, we've had like Levan and Bassinage and now we're just resting on a bench. Oh, it's just resting on a bench. Um, And how long does it it sit on the bench for? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes. It doesn't need to stay too long because even in that time you'll see it relax nicely and and become flat again. Right. And then it goes into the, I've seen them before, the Banneton, which is the, the fancy basket. Yeah, a fancy basket. Um, and then before it does that, you'll sort of okay. need to do a bit of reshaping right. um, because it will have like flattened a bit. Oh, okay. And then you'll take your dough and that's when you'll take maybe like little edges and corners and pull them into the centre to oh, create pull them into that it. So you get like a nice again. rounded, yeah. So so talking about the, ban- the banneton, for people who don't know what a banneton is, can you describe it? Um, 
It is a small wicker basket, really. Okay. Um, some of them have little cloths on the inside. Some of them don't. Some of them you just put straight into the wicker. And um, the point of a banneton is to basically you're forming your loaf's uh, shape. So basically you're like almost like setting it. It's like putting it into a mould, effectively. Yeah. So that it, like, it basically sits up and it's like, okay, this is the shape that I'm going to be when I'm baked. So right. you might have a long banneton or a round, what they call a boule, um, yeah. or... Um, a bunt tin or you know it might there's all kinds of different shapes i was going to say what can into. you use what can you use if you haven't got a bunt a bunt on can you use something um, improvise with something else absolutely like a a, a good sized bowl like a like a like a a bowl, a bowl with a tea, like lightly floured tea towel on the inside yeah. a sieve a colander um Ooh. or if you have some kind of small basket to hand yeah. that <laughs> seems the right size like a, yeah. like a fruit basket yeah yeah definitely you've got to line it though right because otherwise that dog's just going to stick to it i'd always put like a light leaf uh, a flowered uh clean tea towel on the inside yeah. or like, that mus- would just help. I guess if you had muslin or something you could use that or some kind definitely of like... yeah yeah cool because um, the dough will like to stick it, it likes to stick to stuff so yeah. you need to prevent that um if you are using a banneton or other thing what do you i mean how do you keep it sort of clean for people who are getting worried about, you know, having bits and pieces and stuff. stuff. Can you wash it? I mean, you can't put it through the uh, no, dishwasher, obviously. Um, a lot of the banisons will come with a cloth that, that comes on the inside, which you can basically take out and wash in the washing oh, machine. So that's, wash what I, that's what I do. Yeah. But if you don't and you're just using the wicker, which you can also do, um, if you buy basically the brush from a dustpan and brush, buy a clean new one, oh, and then yeah. basically you can just take it just outside and give it, give it and get all into all the nooks and crannies. Yeah. And it's really important to um, dry them. So if you're if you've had a particularly wet dough in there mm. that's like stuck on, it's got like into all the nooks and crannies. If you just leave it out in the sun like for an afternoon, yeah. and then basically get in there and basically get basically just get all that, those yeah. crusty bits off. Cool. It'll be grand. So and how long does the um, the loaf stay in the banneton for? So at this point, you have two options. You can either leave it at room temperature for, for an hour and then right. bake, which is pretty okay. good for letting your oven heat up. Yeah. Or you can um, put it in the fridge, which is like what they call basically um, retarding the dough. Um, so the reason, there's several reasons why a lot of bakeries put their, it's basically what like a lot of like all sourdough bakeries will do. And um, firstly, this will improve the flavour because in the fridge, the yeast will stop feeding as like fast basically yeah. aggressively yeah. but um we'll kind of still keep nibbling about around a bit won't produce that much gas but the sourness of your dough will increase and okay. the um yeah and the overall flavor i think um will improve and the second thing it does is it, it really firms up and sets the dough in the shape mm. um and the other reason why it's really good is it means that you can set your own schedule for baking so it might be that you you know want to make a loaf during the day but you're going out for dinner and you just yeah. basically throw it throw it in the fridge and then you can bake it on your terms whilst stopping the proving process and not having to worry about it over proving or any of those things so this is the one bit in a little babysitting scenario where actually you can go, <laughs> well, you can't go out to the pub and leave it not not these days <laughs> But you no. can go. But you can go off and do some gardening or something, and think I'm yeah, gonna yeah. I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that into like you know stasis for later, and then come back mm-hmm. and get it. Um, yeah. Tell us about the um, because I've seen 
Um, and I've seen you in the kitchen as well, mostly using a kind of big La Creuse style, kind of Dutch oven type thing to bake. What, what's, what's that about? Is, I mean, is that a traditional thing to do? Um, basically, by using that Dutch oven, what you're doing is uh, imitating a like, professional oven. So okay. professional ovens have something called a steam inlet. So basically, when you put your bread into the oven on a hot yeah. stone, um, they then spray the oven with loads of cold water, which creates steam in the oven. And the reason why they do this is because without the steam, or with the steam, your loaf will... F- well, basically, with the steam, your loaf will um, grow and rise till it's peak, like to its maximum potential. Because of the heat of the oven that you need to bake the bread at, if you didn't add that steam, the crust would set too quickly, oh, and I it, see. Would, it would it wouldn't fully reach its potential. It can't expand anymore because it's yeah. literally set it right. Because it's got that hard outer shell already, yeah. like too fast. And so, by adding the steam, it means that the crust doesn't form as as fast, um, and then basically it can grow and reach its maximum potential. Yeah. And so, when you bake in a Dutch oven with a lid yeah. on, or like some kind of casserole. Um, the, the loaf creates its own steam so as it's cooking all that water evaporates and it creates like a really moist environment in there um which will mean that your loaf will go and have a really nice ear and rise and so you're not adding any water to it no no your loaf will literally create its own little steamy steamy steam room so it's literally like tipping out of the banneton into uh, do we preheat the dutch oven yeah yeah really important to really for like 45 minutes to an hour um yeah so it's like real ripping hot which is obviously be careful guys because it's very um and then turning your dough out onto either um a peel like a chopping board with some flour on it or onto a bit of baking paper scoring it um and then putting it in the dutch oven that's where you get the um the razor or similar it's called a lame it's called a lame in French Um, or a pair of scissors or a knife but basically what the ear does yeah well what scoring does is that you are deciding how your bread rises so given its own if it's left to its own it might not burst out of like a little shoulder and elbow because that rise because it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily go up it finds the weak spot so it might just grow a little extra head or something on the side yeah it might i've this yeah there's there've been times where i've baked some strange looking loaves um <laughs> and so by scoring it you're ensuring that it has already has a weak spot mm. you're basically creating that weak spot for it so then it will have it's nice ear and, you, and it looks beautiful you can make it beautiful as well can't you Obviously of course you can do like little kind of flowery things and leaf yeah. motifs and do you do that yeah, you, you can look at a bit no, skeptical <laughs> I, I, I personally, I am not an arty person. I just like a big, strong one slash or two slash, you know, any yeah. other. And it, yeah. In comparison to your, what what size sort of Dutch oven should you use in relation to your loaf? Should it be like a similar size? Should it have a bit of room for expansion? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll find that most of the banatons are like the same size as a like you know av- average casserole dish yeah. right like round casserole dish um yeah you don't want too much room otherwise this there won't be enough steam because you right. want it to, you want it to be kind of snug in there kind of snug in there yeah yeah that's cool um and then how long does it take once it's in the in its in its oven um mm. i do probably i think i do 20 minutes without the lid on with the lid on, sorry, and then take the lid yeah. off for the final 20. So basically after like 20 minutes, it's probably, it. yeah, that's when you get your real deep, crunchy crust. Yeah. Um, just finally for the last bit, let's talk about some kind of 
troubleshooting. So mm -hmm. um, common reasons why, you know, why your love your isn't love. as good as Adam Bush's love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean... You know that's that's a that's a question that a lot of bakers will be asking themselves during this. Uh, no, nah, I'm joking. Um, We've got a list. The, so, so basically, it's it's things like. Um, basically, the best thing to do if your loaf's not gone to plan mm -hmm. is to really go through the process. Go through the process like we have just done yeah. from from the start and and, yeah. and basically be like, how was my starter like really bubbly and risen yeah. and raring to go, yeah. or um, did I? During the bulk fermentation, did I leave it for an hour too long while I was gardening and it's actually quite a warm day and it's right. gone over? Or is it really cold today and actually it's not got started properly and it's not really had long enough to to, to get going? Yeah. Or, you know, there's, there's plenty of... Basically, if you go through that, like, yeah, the whole process, you can look at, like... The, how much water's in it and like, there's all it's like there's I mean, to be honest, there's, there's hundreds of ways of why it could have not be perfect. Yeah, and I think from what you've said... Um, it sounds like it would be a good idea to keep some kind of little notebook to say mm. what you did in each stage because obviously you're, you're investing quite a lot of time in this, aren't you? So yeah, definitely. You kind of want it, and, and if you and, want to improve when on you, it, when you invest a lot of time in it, it doesn't turn out perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be. It can be quite disheartening, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd suggest getting a little notepad, or I know people that have Excel spreadsheets, which is kind of sad. Um, yeah. I just jot down. <laughs> My my problem is, is that I rarely make the same loaf twice, so right. so I, I've got about thirty different recipes for different breads, but none of them really the same because each day I'm like, oh, I might put some X in it, or oh, I'm going to use some of this flour, or um, yeah. I, the best thing to do yeah. to get the best results is bake the same bread like over and over again. That's how you'll get like really because then you can know the tweaks on a little bit more water, or a little bit less mm. water, or a little bit longer fermenting, or you know, and that's how you really hone. The, your skills that's exactly what i was going to say or suggest was if you want to if you want to keep a notebook on how things are changing or, or improving or whatever then it's probably best to for the first few times bake in the same situation in mm. the same kind of kitchen but like note down what the temperature is outside you know yeah. how long you did different improvements for and stuff and then it like my my brain would go to there to say like but but keep the keep the recipe consistent as in the mm -hmm, same kind of mm -hmm. flour you're using so then you can see how the your environment and how you're acting is it affecting the recipe like finish yeah recipe. completely um if people wanted to go and read this once they've listened to it i think am i right in saying that you've got a whole step-by-step thing online for sourdough all of it yeah so if you go to olivemagazine.com mm. there is um a sourdough starter guide and also a step-by-step -step sourdough guide so yeah. you know if, if someone's giving you some starter then you you don't really have to go to the starter section you yeah. can go straight to sourdough but um yeah so all people, information just about the giving given of the starter because i got a i got kombucha scoby from my sister is that the same mm -hmm. thing like with the if rather than discarding your starter can you then can you give that to somebody else yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, yeah, yeah. And then someone else can make beautiful that's, that's bread. A that's a lovely thing to do, I think. You know, yeah. <laughs> just go at a safe distance and leave it, leave it outside somebody's yeah, yeah. house. But tell them you're doing it because otherwise it yes. might die. Just to, um, or just leaving a manky jar of something outside yeah. someone's front door is not. <laughs> yeah. no. I was also going to say um, to remind people that there's actually two podcasts. 
that are relative to this that people might want to listen to. One is you talking to Vanessa Kimball, who's an absolute mm. sourdough expert. And she talks a lot more about using kind of wildflowers and different kind of ingredients, doesn't she? She's very much yeah. kind of into wildflowers. gut health, gut yeah, health gut element health. to that, yeah. Yeah. And then um, talking of gut health, the series that you did with Kerry Torrens, I think you mm. go into sourdough there as well and actually mm-hmm. go quite far into how how it affects your um, microbiome and your gut and everything so people are interested in that then um, Vanessa's episode 178 and if you type in Olive Magazine Gut Health podcast you'll find all of the ones we'll carry there as well but Mm -hmm. thanks so much for taking us through that today I have got some bread flour in in the the cupboard that someone gifted me so um, I might just go off and try try a little starter Adam why not you've inspired me if yeah. now is the time to do it, I think, yeah. if, you're ever, if you're ever going to do it. <laughs> okay. Cheers for talking to us today, Adam. No worries. Thanks, See you later. Cheers. So that was this week's podcast. If you want to explore more of our back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, you'll find us on all the main podcast platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and some great cooking advice. And if you find it difficult to get your monthly mag, why not become a temporary subscriber? You'll get the next three copies of Olive Magazine delivered to your door for a single payment of £12.50, saving 15% off the usual shop price, with free delivery and no obligation to continue after the three months. To take advantage, go to buysubscriptions.com forward slash allpod3. That's O-L-P-O-D-3. Stay safe and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode.